Welcome to the Poetically Yours Extended Podcast. I'm Yvonne Booz. This month's featured poet is Michael Lee Johnson. Michael has won many poetry awards and has had work published in numerous publications across the years. We talk about his journey and some of the things that he is currently working on. I also found out the reason he changes his voice when he recites his poems. A special guest joined the conversation at the end, but Michael sometimes addresses that person during our conversation. So if you hear him talking and it's not to me, just know he's not talking to himself. All right, Michael. So thank you so much for talking to me today for the Poetically Yours um, podcast. All right. So I'll get right into it, Michael. Um, How old are you? Too old. Okay. Now, how long have you been writing poetry? Oh, my Lord. Actually, I'm 75 now. I have been writing poetry since 1968, off and on. There are years that I missed, and I sort of realized that writing poetry wasn't going to be financially successful as such. So I had to focus on, you know, making a living for myself. But um, overall, I've been writing for a long time. When did you start? 1968. 1968. How old were you? Uh, too young to reveal. No, I, I would say about 16, 17 years old. Oh, no, wait, wow. uh, no, no, back up. I think in 1968, I would have been how old? I was born 47, 57, 67, 21, 20. I don't know, somewhere in there. Oh, okay. Because I was just asking because a lot of people, they started maybe in middle school, maybe high school. So you were, you were out of high school at that time. Do you even remember what you were first, what inspired you to write? Yes, I do. I don't know if I remember exactly what caused me to write the first time, but I do remember the incident that led to uh maybe a, a, an awareness of myself at Marion College in roughly 1968. Marion College, Marion, Indiana. It's no longer called Marion College. It's called something else. Everything evolves. But the bottom line is, I remember going to a restaurant while I was going to Marion College uh, as a freshman or sophomore in college. I sat at a restaurant and I, I'd walk in with a briefcase and I'd pull out my stuff and I'd be smoking my pipe like an idiot at the time. And uh, I got everything, you know, pushed up around me and tucked in so nobody can see what I'm doing. And I'm writing a few words down. The guy on my left, he says, what are you doing? I, I said, uh, well, you know, I sort of said indirectly, it's none of your business, but he said, what are you doing? I said, well, I, I, you know, I, I, something personal. He said, it was personal. What are you doing? I said, well, I'm writing a small poem. He said, well, why don't you share that with me? And I said, well, I said, it's personal. He said, no, it's not personal. He said, if you don't share this with me or the world, he said, you're a very selfish person. And I said, you're kidding. And he said, no, I'm not. And I still didn't share that poem with him. And I went home and I thought that over. And that was the beginning of my history with writing. That's oh, it. wow. That that was interesting that that young man said that to you. Um, well, he wasn't a young man, but he's probably in his 50s at the time. That's probably 18 or 19. Oh, you were the young man at the time. So you, you did that um, and you thought about what this 
older gentleman said to you. Where did you go from there in regards to your writing? And what what was the first outlet you used to start sharing your work? Well, believe it or not, I went on selfishly for several years, but the Vietnam interfered with everything. Vietnam had a tendency to do that with people. And uh, ultimately, uh, under duress and depression and a bunch of other related social events, left this country and went to Canada in 1970, May of 1970 to be exact. So poetry wasn't on my mind at the time. I was carrying everything I owned inside of a station wagon, making my way through Detroit from uh, Niles, Michigan. And I don't know if you recall this or not, but 1906, uh, 1969 or so, there was the racial riots uh, in Detroit. So I made it across the border at Windsor. I went into Canada and a whole different life began and I forgot your question. Um, I was asking, at what point did you start sharing your work? Um, I started sharing my work after I went through all these different things and finally landed uh, over uh, a period of time in Edmonton, Alberta. And I started to share, well, actually, I don't know. You know, you're too young. You're yes, a, I am. I'm going to disagree with whatever you're, whatever you're talking about. You're yes, a baby in the woods. All right. <laughs> a nice looking lady, baby in the well, woods. Thank you. Thank you. You know, but the bottom line is I remember in Edmonton, Alberta, once I finally got settled a little bit, I started sending out poems old-fashioned way. Now, people aren't going to relate to this that are millennials. But I, you know, back in the old days, you type poem, da, 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 on the keyboard. On a keyboard? No, on an old electric, I mean, a Smith Crown Electric 220, I think it was. You know, and then you'd make mistakes and you put the correction thing in there and you try to correct it, and, you know, and you'd rip them out, and tear papers up and throw them on the floor and but you had to have five poems or so to a batch and typewriter, paper, whatever. You know, the cost of envelopes and all those things. And you'd send them out and nobody would respond to you. Who were you Ultimately, sending them to? Who were yeah, you sending them to? Where is just it? the way it was, you know. But who were you sending them to? Was it your friends well, and family? at that time, or? you had to go to the library and see if there were any poetry publications around. You know, no internet. 19, you know, 1971, 72, something like that. No internet. But anyway, so you'd get, uh, what is it, Writer's Digest and a few other publications. And you'd work your way through those. And you'd sort of try to write notes about who was accepting poems and who wasn't. And the bottom line is, uh, I started sending them out. And I sent uh, one of my five batches I sent went to Chicago to a place called, I'm trying to remember, what was it called? Anyway, they're gone now. It was a simple-minded poem of about two or three or four lines. It really wasn't much. It was about resisting the Vietnam War, and they accepted it. No, I was so excited because it was the worst poem I'd written up to that time. Do you remember the black lady out of Chicago? And I tried to remember her name. Uh, she wrote this thing about gangs and uh, gangsters and whatever. I can't remember her name. Anyway, she wrote this small poem. And it was one of the poems that she was least, I don't know, excited about. And it turned out to be her most popular poem. 
But anyway, um, this poem got published, uh, you know, and, and oh, I almost remember the name of it, but I can't remember it. It'll pop in my mind when I, it doesn't matter. Keep out of this car, please. But anyway, the bottom line is it got published, and I was proud of that. And uh, I didn't know why, because it was one of the least popular poems I'd ever written, but it started my little mission. Back in that day, they would tell you, send, send out these things, you'd type them all up, you'd send about international rep uh, response, coupons, et cetera. It was a time-consuming thing. And most of the editors would say, don't send us photocopies. But the reality is they'd send you a photocopy rejection slip back. Okay. That's uh, not fair. Well, you know, it's not fair. And the bottom line is I received a lot of rejections and some, most of them never responded at all. So I got a little bit discouraged from there on, but you know, I, actually I be, really didn't become really active and seriously considering publish, publishing my poems until 2007. I, I, you know, I hate to say this, with the advent of the internet, which had already been out for 15, 20 years or whatever, but that's when I got really active. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I'm thinking you, you're talking about the Chicago poet, the Chicago poet. And, um, of course, I need to resolve that in my mind. Well, we have to resolve that. What was her name? Was it Gwendolyn uh, Brooks? Brooks, Brooks. Brooks uh... Gwendolyn Brooks. Yeah, there it was. Go. And is are you talking about We Real Cool? That's it. We yeah. Real Cool. We <laughs> Real Cool. Southside. Okay. You know, and, uh, you know, you know, playing whatever, you know, pool, not going to school, you know, whatever. And you know what? In her mind, it was one of her worst poems, all right? But it turned out being her legacy. And I don't know if you know her as such, but are you, I, you probably don't know her, and I can't remember her name. I think it's Bentley, but I'm not for sure. The daughter of, uh, of her is still out promoting her poetry in the Chicagoland area, which I can send you at some other time or whatever. Anyway, enough of that. Um, that's Nora Brooks Blakely. There you go, Blakely. That's exactly right. Uh, and I met her at Printer's Row in Chicago with Carol, my lady friend. Oh, you know what? I, I'm going to really be really bad at this, but I'm going to take a whack at 10 years ago, 12 years ago. Printer's Row. Yep, yep, we met her. She's helping her mother continue her legacy. Mm. You got to be proud about that. Yeah. yeah. So you you're sending things out to different publications so that they could possibly publish some of your work. And um, at what point was your first piece published? Because Michael, I see that you have won awards. You have a lot of things published in different journals. You have your YouTube channel. Tell me about that first piece that was published and how that felt. Oh, that's easy. Sort of. Um, actually, since I was sitting in this seat where I'm at in Itasca, Illinois, my first poem that was really published was by a spam. And uh, it was a poem we're going to read tonight, ironically, I think. Do you want to read it now? Do you have it available? Know. Let me see if I've got yeah, it. Yeah, we can, we can do that now. Oh, I do have it. Okay. Believe it or, oh, this is fun. But anyway, the bottom line is um, this spam this spam outfit 
you know, they said, you know, send us $69, we'll publish your poem. Oh, yeah. So I sent them the $69. And the bottom line is, it went on for eight or 10 or 12 months, and they never published it. And I kept hammering them. I said, listen, if you don't publish this or give me my money back, I'm going to send about 18 pages to the attorney, attorney, the, the attorney general of your state. And that's exactly what I did. And they were gone about eight months later. But I run, you know, and some of the poems, when I finally got the book, were just not so great. They accepted anything that had $69 written on it. Yeah, yeah, yeah seriously. But, uh, but I still think my poem way back then was still a good poem and actually has been published in other places. Let's do that. You want to do it right now? Yeah. I'm up for that. I'm up for it too. All right. Anyway. It's called Children in the Sky, version two by Michael Lee Johnson. There is a full moon distant in the sky tonight. Gray planets planted on an aging white face. Children living and dead love the moon with small hearts. Those in heaven already take gold thread. Drop the moon down for us to see. Those alive with us look out their bedroom windows tonight. We smile, then prayers, then sleep. That was a lovely poem. Thanks for sharing that. Now, you know, I have to ask you, Michael, about your poetry voice. I know that um, when you first sent that to me, a poem for Poetically Yours, I hadn't talked to you. It was just via email. And I thought, is this the way he sounds? And I was skeptical to reach out and ask because I didn't know. And so I called you and there was a voicemail. And I thought, that doesn't sound like the same person. And then later when we were like meeting as a Portically Yours group, I asked you, what happened to the voice? And you said, that's my poetry voice. Where'd that come from and why? There is a history here, and okay. now you brought that up. It's very insightful as a host that you brought that up. Actually, my first mentor was Carl Sandberg. Carl Sandberg obviously is from the Chicagoland area in part, originally, Galesburg, Illinois, where uh, actually he his cremated results are buried there under the rock. Um, the, and I was... Uh, I was in love with Carl Sandburg. When I was in Canada in the beginning years, I read all of Carl Sandburg's work. I was especially fascinated by Fog, the simple poem about the cat approaching on whatever and little cat's feet, etc. And I loved his voice. But you know, Carl Sandburg, it's hard to find video, original videos of Carl Sandburg. But, you know, as I read all of his works, I think I started to imitate his voice. It wasn't necessarily intentional. But uh, as the years have gone by, it's just, you know, I, I, I think, I don't know, I've modified that without thought, but I still have that. So I guess even, even Carol has mentioned to me that it's not my natural voice, but I, I feel like it's my natural voice when I'm doing poetry. It's the way it is. Well, you know, there's rumors that Michael Jackson didn't use his natural voice, but so if that is the case, you're not, you're not by yourself. I don't like being alone. <laughs> now, when was the um, 
poem that was published that you was most proud of? I know not saying that you're not proud of this one, but you were just saying the publication was not um, a reputable publication based on what you saw. Tell me about the the, the first moment you published and what in, in the publication that you thought was um, of high regard. I don't know if I've ever been published by by of high regard. You know, you know, because that's all a matter of, uh, oh, you're like that. Hey, I can see you laughing in the background. You know, there's something about my sense of humor gets to people, you know. I mean, there's <laughs> people I know that don't think I have a sense of humor, but I think I'm pretty damn funny. I think you're funny, too. But I, yeah. I, I, there has to be something where you were published and it just made you feel like I made it there. Well, believe it or not, that spam poet poem that I told you about, Sharon the Sky, made me feel wonderful. Oh, okay, okay. Uh, you know, the bottom line is I got this, oh, you've been accepted. Wow, a real poem been accepted. And I was in Itasca, Illinois, on my way to our local store. It's called the Jewel Store here, okay? It doesn't matter. It's different in all different regions, you know? So I got about two and a half mile track down Irving Park Road going east to the jewel store and I'm crying all the way with joy. I'm jumping up and down the side of my car acting like an idiot. And I am happy as hell and a pig in a goddamn wonderful pen that will never be attacked by a knife. You know, so I'm having a great time. But to get back to your question, you know what? I sort of, uh, I don't care about being published by reputable poetry publications. I, I'm like Carl Sandberg. I am. I, I'm a poet of the people. I believe that, you know, no matter how humble somebody's publication is, they're out there attempting to represent poets, contemporary poets. And if Chicago, if poetry doesn't like me, well, poetry Chicago, I'm referring to. I don't really give a damn. Uh, you know, I mean, don't get me wrong. I'm sensitive to places that send out their best for the net and whatever. But if, you know, as you probably know, I have, until I ran to a Facebook issue, I've had many Facebook poetry published, I mean, groups, poetry groups. And, uh, you know, if somebody's a prestigious publication, I get published there, that's fine. If I don't, that's fine. I'm not living for them. I'm living for myself and the people I can help along the road. Now, at your age, 75, you are very technically savvy when it comes to putting your poetry out there. I know you send me YouTube videos all the time. When did the YouTube start for you? I don't know for sure. You know, actually, I do. I just actually looked at that. I think it was 2007 is when I started doing YouTube videos. In that last count, I'm trying to recollect this. What do I have up there now? Oh, I got a lot of them. I, you know, uh, 273 mm -hmm. as of uh, now, January 13th, 2023. Now, do you do the editing for the videos as well, like much like you do the editing for your poems when they're yes. pub before they're published? Yes. How'd you learn how to do all that? I'm, I'll tell you the truth. I have no clue. You know, the truth of the matter is I almost flunked high school because I was too involved in athletics, never paid attention to anything. 
my IQ was probably around 70 or 80 because I'd just done a bunch of check marks. I barely got out of high school and got in the back door of a local little college unaccredited. So I don't know. I don't have a clue. It's just happening. Well, good for you. Can you tell me, Michael, are you a part of any type of um, poetry groups or anything like that? I, I generally avoid most of those things. You know, I, are you familiar with uh, Rick? Uh, is it L-U-P-E-R-T? Uh, poetry Highway, Poetry Superhighway. Tell me about that. I don't think I've oh, ever heard of that. Great guy. All right. Uh, a Jewish fellow uh, out of California. And he's been up there for a long time. It's called uh, Poetry Superhighway. Pick Lapure, Lapure. I'm, I'm praying not, I'm not pronouncing things right. But uh, anyway, uh, what the hell was the question? I was asking you if you were involved in any type of poetry oh. um, groups. Uh, I try to avoid them for the most part. You know, I, I've actually gone to a few local things uh, locally here and uh, spoke at a couple of places and did okay and won a, won a prize or two. And, uh, and I've gone to a local poetry reading up in Rolling Meadows, Illinois for a while. But, you know, generally speaking, I, I just don't get in the car and go to those places as such. Can you tell me... Um, if there is a reason that those things don't intrigue you? I don't know if they don't intrigue me because I love showing off. All right. But uh, <laughs> you see that. Eh? Yeah, you're a comedian as well as a poet. Yeah, well, but anyway, listen, do you know uh, Janet Kipler, Kepler, K-U-P-L-E-R? Uh, no, I'm not familiar. Okay, well, anyway, listen, you know, if I think about it, I'll send you something here to update you. But she was originally from Chicago, downtown Chicago. She ran, you know, a, a local poetry, I don't know, the, I call it where people gather, for years. And she asked me to come down several times and, you know, recite some poetry and so forth. And I told her, it's just too damn far. You know, like I live in Itaskets. 12 miles or 13 miles down to downtown Chicago. I mean, that's a long ways away, you know. And uh, and she wrote, I mean, she she took some of my poems and she read them. And she said, you know, Michael, me, pretty good poet, but I asked him to show up. And he said, it's just too damn far. But anyway, uh, no, you know what? I just don't go too far to poetry readings and stuff. If they happen to be handy and whatever, I'll go, you know. But uh, right now, I'm sort of handicapped because of the auto accident I had. Limited. Aww. Yeah. Well, I'm glad that you're able to to join me tonight and that you're doing you're doing okay. And I know your caretaker is back there, um, you know, putting in her two cents. But you told so ever since you told her to stay out of it, I haven't heard from her. <laughs> well, now, yeah, well, I got to keep her in control. You want to take a look at her? Oh, oh but yeah, she's she's laying down. Oh, I don't think I need to see her laying down. You, you told her to stay out of it, and oh, now shit. now you got her on camera. <laughs> She's oh, she's beautiful. Almost, she's almost 80. She's pretty cute. Oh, man. she looks very good. Lexi and she's your Finn, caretaker. Lovely, bright, extremely bright. Mm -hmm. Oh, I can't stand bright people. And you said she's a poet. You you know, she's welcome to, to be a part of Poetically Yours family. I'm always, uh, the Poetically Yours family, I'm always, always recruiting. 
Well, she does write poetry on occasion. She, uh, I think in some ways more importantly, uh, she's very involved in uh, painting. And uh, she has several, well, she's had over a period of time, several of her paintings published uh, locally in uh, a certain place in Elmhurst, Illinois. But I'll leave that. That Yes, uh, she's a very talented person and very bright. Okay. Now you said Itasca was 12 miles away. I had to look that up. So it is about an hour drive. It's about 30, almost 30 miles away from Itasca from, to downtown. So I, I get it. I don't know if I would want to consistently go to a poetry <clears throat> reading or a poetry group that's an hour away. Um, luckily, I can go maybe 10 minutes away and, and join my, yeah. my, my poetry people. Um, now, I know that the pandemic had a lot of um, people gathering online. Did you take part in any of those type of settings? Now, what is the point of you brushing your hair during the interview? <laughs> That's just for you, I'm assuming. You feel better now? Yes. Okay, okay. But anyway, COVID, uh, COVID had no effect on me whatsoever because I'm used to working alone. I prefer working alone. I'm very gregarious. Maybe you can figure that out. But uh, I'm also <clears throat> introverted. I remember in high school, I, I'm off topic, but I, I remember in high school, I took a test for introversion, extroversion. <clears throat> Out of 300, no, 401 <clears throat> high school members, I was uh, in the bottom five for introversion. Ironically, you know, when I had was forced, a long story, and I'm going to make this short, when I was forced to get into sales out of social work, I was forced to become more gregarious. I caught that cough. Okay. <laughs> I muted for a reason, Michael. All right. <laughs> <laughs> Michael, do you have any any children or have you ever been married? I've never heard you talk about that type of stuff. Well, there's only one thing that keeps me from being married four times and it's called common sense. Yeah. <laughs> I, uh, <clears throat> I have, I used to have a friend, I won't mention his name, but uh, he has never been married and a bachelor and he's almost my age. And uh, I have been married three times and divorced. And here's the funny part, I've been divorced since 19, oh no, 1978. Whoa, yeah. But you got to remember, I've been with Carol sitting back here for 33 years, all right? But uh but anyway, we used to go to singles dances and stuff, and they would ask us all the time, you know, well, John, have you ever been married? John referring to my friend. Oh, no. And then they look at me and say, have you ever been married? Michael? I said, oh, yeah, three times and divorced. And they look at both of us like we're crazy, right? Because, you know, they're both losers. You know what I mean? You've been married, <laughs> never been married. You're a loser. You're what? 60. What? You know, and you're 70. What? Three, oh, yeah. Okay. Any more questions there you need to ask me? Of course. You know, I can go all day, although I don't have that much time this evening. But of course, um, what inspires you to write? I know you talked about Carl Sandburg, but what inspires you? I'm inspired, I really think, by great people. You know, the more I think about it, I, I love reading the autobiographies of great people. I, uh, I, uh, 
Uh, well, it's not just poetry either. I, I relate to songs that I they were very memorable to me. I uh, well, you know what I, I you know just off the top, Carl Sandburg, uh, Leonard Cohen. Leonard Cohen's very important to me. Uh, and then I got into Sarah Teasdale, uh, Sylvia Plath, all these different people. I sort of, I sort of was always intrigued by the eccentricity of their lives, and why are they important? What made them special? You know, what led to them living then dead with a legacy? I want to leave a legacy behind. Probably didn't answer your question, but that's the bottom line. No, you did, and I understand that. Now, let's take a moment and, and do another poem. Sure. You let me go find one, I'll be right with take you. Take your time. Oh, I will. Hold on here. You know, I'm staying with small stuff and old poems here tonight just because uh, we sort of had to grab a few quickly. Anyway, here's a small little simple poem that hasn't been grammarly checked. It's called Moon Sleep, version four by Michael Lee Johnson. I stick my hand out tonight. No, wait a minute. I, sorry, start over. Moon Sleep, version four by MJ and the Boys. I stick my hand out toward the sea. Roll out my palm. I offer a plank, a trail for you to follow into the sultry stars where you stretch out and give your heart to this final moment of the glass night sky. Draw me in, sketch my face on the edge of a wave. Over ages of celestial moon sleep and dust. Now, you said by Michael Lee Johnson at first, but then it sounded like you said something else. Is that actually one of your original poems? Absolutely one of my original poems. Way what? back, I hate to say it, but I pulled these out of the nightmare time of age. You know, I'm not kidding. Yeah, no, these are definitely my poems, absolutely. Now, uh, what other creative endeavors are you into besides poetry, Michael? Oh, that's easy, sleep. <laughs> Tell me about that. Is that when you come up with your your um, poems or your um, inspiration for being creative when you sleep? No, vodka is. No, you know, I, I've learned a long time. <laughs> you just time. won't let me win, Michael. I know. Listen, I'll tell you the truth. Okay, this is the way it goes with poets, all right? Not all poets, all right? Maybe only poets who live in Illinois. But the truth of the matter is you edit sober and you write, eh, drunk, sometimes. But, you know, it's the way it goes. You can look at Dylan Thomas. You can look at, look at the problems of other people. You can look at a whole host of people. But there's something about poets that see, see things in a slightly different way than most people. There's just an angle that most people don't catch. And it's that angle that makes the difference. Oh, wow. Now, what is next for you? You said you had 273 poems on YouTube. You have, how many How many poems have you had um, published in different publications? 
roughly, roughly, I was just checking that because I try to keep an accurate record. I'm fairly good at records, but not great. Uh, I, I, I was looking at, I'm right in the middle of doing a new book called Jesus in the Nighttime City. And I thought it was going to come out fairly quickly, but I've been spending five or six years indirectly working on it, still not there. It has over 156 poems and still growing. And I'm thinking I'm going to break it up into chat books. So again, what was the question? Um, I was asking what, what, what other creative endeavors you're doing, but you just told me the title of that book and I want to find out more about that title. Well, a lot of the poems, and uh, Carol said to me, you know, you shouldn't talk about Chicago so much. You don't live in Chicago, my friend. I, although I used to for a while. You know, you're living out in DuPage County now. But uh, bottom line is, uh, a lot of the poems have to do with street life. They have to do with Chicago life. They have to do with nightlife. They have something to do with the lights over the harbors, over Lake Michigan, etc. And they're poems of the night. They're sort of dark, so they'll be dark. But I have another chapbook I'm working on, Poems of Nature, which is going to have over 100 poems. And it's simply about nature, about doves and sparrows and under wonderful, other wonderful things. Oh, now... Um, Roughly 515 poems to answer your question. Oh, that is a lot. That is a lot. Now you talked about books. How many books do you have out? Oh, not very many. Uh, I put out... The Lost American from Exile to Freedom. I paid to have that published. That was my first book. Uh, I've had two or three I published uh, through Lulu. I'd have to go dig up the names because we got I got caught off guard here a bit. Um, and I'm working on these new books, but I also had three poetry anthologies from Facebook groups of all the members I had on about five or seven different Facebook groups, totaled out at over 33,000 members across the world. And I picked out people from that, those groups to form the basis of three different poetry anthologies, which I in fact have published and did well, quite well, but I'll tell you the truth. Don't kid yourself, putting books together is a real job. Yes, it is. I have I have two out there now. Before we start recording, um, yeah. you were telling me about editing and that you do it yourself. Can you tell me why you choose to go that route? Because I tried that once and it wasn't a it wasn't a um, smart idea. And I was taught not to edit my own work, but I thought, oh, it's a poem. It's a poem. I don't need an editor for a poem. But I was wrong. Well, it's really quite simple. Number one, I don't think I'm a genius. Number one, I'm a bit of a dumbass. Um, I, I can't spell. My grammar sucks. Um, I missed grade one, two, and three before I ever, you know, before I ever really got going to a health issue when I was very, very young. So I missed out on syntax. I missed out like a lot of other writers. Uh, I can't spell worth a damn. All right. But, you know, all my life, I tried, I have been trying to regain ground on that and to learn. Uh, I've learned to edit with the help of Grammarly and a few other spell checks and other things, but I, I, I don't see no reason why I can't edit as well as anybody else if I set my damn mind to it. I'm not insecure that way. You know, I will fight the damn world. I will fight my own journey. 
And if I can't find a proper person to publish my poems, I'll do it myself. All right. Uh, although I do have a list of uh, different publishing outlets for, as you know, small press, probably roughly, oh, I don't know, 50 or 70. And I may consider them, but they want to they cash in on any royalties. So, you know, I learned a long time ago that doing anthologies is more profitable than doing your own book. The fact of the matter is doing your own book, nobody knows who you are. Nobody cares unless you're somebody that's extremely well-established, you know? So I learned to do anthologies for other people because everyone loves reading their own poems and they should because that's the way to help them get out there so that other people and other publishers recognize who they are. The gift of poetry is not yourself. The gift of poetry is sharing it with others and giving to others so that it comes back as Jesus principle to yourself. The message that that slightly older man told you when you were a younger man, you finally get it. Yeah, I do get it. It took a long time. Now, Michael, is there anything else you would like to share with me this evening? Well, I don't know. You probably even look cuter if you didn't have those earphones in your ear and stuff. But anyway, other than that, no, honey. You know, I don't want Carol. Stop with the compliments. I don't oh, want Carol coming after me. <laughs> She's going to give me all kinds of help. Tell me how poorly I did on this. Everything that I normally get. But, uh, you know, anyway, are we done? Or do you, you know, what's I just up? have one more question, Michael. If yeah. our listeners want to follow you on social media or look at your YouTube, can you give me those handles? Oh, that's real easy. Just look up Michael Lee Johnson on Google search poet. There you, you'll get everything you ever need. I'm all over the place. All right. And I don't have those handles and so forth in front of me. I am on Twitter. Um, I had a problem with Facebook. They, uh, I, it's a long story. I don't want to get into it here. I'm under a different uh, name. But anyway, what else? I don't know. I'm everywhere. I'm on Instagram. You know, all you, all anybody has to do is just put in Michael Lee Johnson, Google search, poet. If you want to put in Illinois, maybe even Canada, you'll probably come up with me. Now I heard Carol say something, so I'm going to give her an opportunity to speak. All right. Carol, is there anything you would like to add? And you you guys have been together, you said, for 33 years? Uh, hold on. She's you know, coming up. I just up. say about Michael, he is so selfless. He gives advice to so many poets on a daily basis. He reads and critiques their work, um, and he basically spends more time helping other people than he does working on his books, and which is sad because I keep pushing him to get the books out uh, because he's disappointed because he's, the book's not coming out, but he's not devoting the time because he'd rather help other people. And uh, But his books are available on Amazon, you know, on is an outlook to buy it and all that. But um, Michael's a very kind-hearted person and will uh, give uh, a poem the shirt off his back to help the, uh, their development. And my Thank shirt is so almost off on my back. Yeah. Well, not, we don't want to see that. <laughs> <laughs> Well, it was lovely speaking to both of you guys. And Carol, thank you for joining and being my special guest tonight. I was well, not you're expecting you. You're a great interviewer. And um, I think you 
you're, you're going to have great success as a host. You know what? Uh, you know, this This is very true, what she said. You know, that's one of the reasons I wanted to connect you up with uh, Michael Anthony Ingram. He is such a good host on a Blog Talk Radio, and you're right in there. You oh, guys thank have you. so much in common in terms of your demeanor, your approach. Your caring for people is amazing. And oh, your man. ability to question and have a sensitivity to what people say and trying to draw out the best in them is incredible. Oh, thank that's you. Why, that's that's the only reason I sent that to you. And, I appreciate uh, that. Uh, I'll send that to you later. Just connect with him because he's just a great guy. I will certainly do so. Seriously. Good man. I will certainly do so. And he's a poet? He's a poet. He's a, I don't know, you know, my goodness. Oh, he does he, workshops all over the world. Well, he, he's done po he's done workshops over all over the world, but he did have a severe heart attack in 2003 or so. So it sort of put him back a bit, but he's been running Blog Talk Radio. You know Blog Talk Radio. He has his own up there, and uh, he is such an incredible host. I, I just, you know, I couldn't resist trying to connect with him. Okay. Only because you guys have... I don't know. I'm probably blowing it out my ear, but I, I think you have a lot in common. So I just think, you know, from a literature point of view, et cetera, I think you should just share with each other. Okay. I... Of, uh, interviewing techniques, et cetera. And guess what? My promise you guys are both so damn good. I don't know how to tell you to improve. I hope you enjoyed that conversation. Special thanks to the Nick Monty Trio Band for providing music for this podcast. Listen to Poetically Yours every Friday at 12.31 p.m. and 6.18 p.m. on 89.5 WNIJ or at 3.59 p.m. on WNIU. Listen anytime at WNIJ.org. For Poetically Yours, I'm Yvonne Boo.